Open your Bibles with me to John chapter 10. I'm looking forward to beginning our series in the book of Acts. But until then, I'm enjoying just going through the scriptures with you. John chapter 10. In this text, Jesus gives a few of the famous I am statements where he declares to be God. And of course, he is accused of blasphemy for that. And look at John chapter 10. Look with me at verse 30. You know, there are those who say that Jesus never claimed to be God. Look at this statement. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Do you see that? They took up stones. What's that next word? Again. Everybody there? John chapter 10? Look at verse 30. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do ye stone me? Now remember, Jesus never asks questions to gain information. How many of you think that Jesus knew why they were going to stone him? But he's pointing out what his behavior had been. The, the signs of the Messiah that he had given them. Verse 33, the Jews answered him saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man makest thyself God. So when people say that Jesus never claimed to be God, the Jews sure thought he did. Let's keep going. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? And what he's talking about here is the, the entire Old Testament. Quote, I said ye are gods. So he's quoting Psalm 82, verse 35. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. And Father, you know that I'm, I'm just excited to preach this today. And Lord, I pray that it, it exalts your word, brings glory to your name, and is a help to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm speaking this morning on the scripture cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. This chapter, uh, I don't have time to preach the whole chapter. There's so much in it. There's no way that I could do it. But I want to point out some things in the text. Look at what Jesus said in verse 9. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus Christ is saying, I am the door. There's only one way to salvation. There's only one way to salvation, and it is through Jesus Christ. How does that work? It's when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life. Baptism is not the door. Church membership is not the door. Communion is not the door. 
Good works is not the door. Jesus is the door. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith, not in the Son of God, but of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I live because of Jesus' works. Those good works that he's talking about here, that's why I live. That's how he can be the door. He is God and he demonstrated that deity, that godhood. He demonstrated that by being born of a virgin and then living a sinless life, healing the sick, raised the dead, cleansing lepers. He proved that he was, is, and always will be God. But there are many people that say there are many doors. There are many ways to heaven. But do you know what I can tell you today? The scripture cannot be broken. There are people who say, well, I don't really believe what the Bible says about that. The scripture cannot be broken. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. And it doesn't matter if a translator wants to change it. It doesn't matter if some young man thinks that he knew something in Bible college. He doesn't trust the words of the Bible. He doesn't trust where the text comes from. And you think that you have to rely on him. That happens to so many people. The scripture cannot be broken. He's the door. He's the only way. I'm not the way. Don't trust me. Don't believe me. Believe the word of God. Jesus is the door. I'll never forget when I was reading Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. I call it Merely Christian. Um, He said that when you get to heaven, what you're going to find is there's a long hallway. And there's many doors off of that hallway. There's the Anglican door. There's the Baptist door. There's the Catholic door. There's many doors. Jesus said, I am the door. There's only one. The scripture cannot be broken. The word is true. The word is true. There are not many doors. But then look at what he said in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So don't miss these I am statements. Anytime Jesus uses that I am construction, he's claiming to be God. Remember at the burning bush? Who should I say sent, sent, you, sent me? I am. I am. Jesus is claiming to be God. In chapter 8, I believe it's verse 24, it says, Know ye not that I am he? And the he is in italics. And so people like to say, well, the italics aren't supposed to be there. And Jesus just said, I am. Well, in the context, he is saying, I am he. To to make it grammatically correct, that's why that he is there. And if you go to the Old Testament, there are six times where that exact same construction is used by God the Father, where he says, I am he. I am he. Does the he make it seem like he is not God? No, 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 no. We have the word of God. It is here when Jesus Christ makes these I am statements. He is claiming to be God. And so he says, I am the door, and only God can take you to heaven. But here he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And verse 11 again, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You know, there are some who say that God is not good. Remember, Christopher Hitchens wrote that book, God is not great. 
There are people that say, how could a loving God condemn people to hell? How could a loving God, if he is powerful enough to stop the suffering in the world, but he does not, he must not be good. There are many people who deny this fact that Jesus is good. But can I promise you something? The scripture cannot be broken. Jesus Christ is good. When you go through your own suffering, there are people in this room right now that are going through terrible circumstances in their life. They're going through terrible circumstances. I mean, Jacob's about to get married. No, that's just... They're, they're going through terrible circumstances. And, and Jenna is about to get married. Wedding shower coming up. How about that? Are you excited? That is really cool. You know, she didn't seem too excited. We need to talk to Noah. I'm not, I'm not sure. No, there are people that are going through seriously hard times. Do you know what I can promise you? When life is hard, God is good. Our shepherd is good. And people will say, hey, you're a Christian. Why does your loving God allow this to happen to you? All you can say is he's good. He is good. Why? Because the scripture cannot be broken. When I'm going through hard times, how can I know how to live? God has told me. How can I know how to take it? Just believe his words, because I'll let you down. I will disappoint you. I will forget to follow up on a phone call or a text or an email. I will. I promise you, I will mess up. God never will. Jesus is perfect. He is the good shepherd. And do you know what he's not? He's not a hireling. He is not the kind of shepherd that will run when trouble comes. Look what the Bible says, verse 12. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd... Uh, someone, I think it was John Piper, he, he wrote a book called Brethren, We Are Not Professionals. And I don't always agree with Piper, but I love that idea. There are young men that want to go into the ministry, and the first thing that they care about is their pay package. Do we have insurance? How am I going to care for these things? That's not what the ministry is about. We are not hirelings. I had somebody years ago in a business meeting, it's one of the reasons we don't do conversation business meetings it was something about my salary and uh they, they said you work for us and i said no i work for god you get me to have a pet you get me as your pastor i'm not a hireling now praise god that you pay me please keep it up any raises any tips are, are appreciated oh by the way i have my 25th anniversary pen if any of you want to see it after the service important stuff Andy, I know you're going to be standing in line especially to see that. Preachers aren't supposed to be hirelings. You know that there are pastors that are afraid to tell the truth because they might get voted out. Somebody congratulated me on 25 years here, and I said, well, I'm only the second pastor. The first pastor was here for 46 years. I think the church didn't know they could fire me. Folks, we should not serve the Lord for gain because Jesus didn't. As a matter of fact, it cost him everything. For, his, for our sakes, he was made poor. It's really important that we see that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. When life is hard, he is good. He's not a hireling. Look what a hireling does. Verse 12 again, but he that is an hire, an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth 
and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of mine. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Is he your shepherd? Do you know his voice? You know, he even goes on and he says that the sheep know my voice and they follow me. A stranger they won't listen to. You know what the Bible says about a mature believer? You're not blown about by every wind of doctrine and the cunning craftiness of them that lie in wait to deceive. You know the voice of God. You know the voice of God. So you don't follow the voice of another. What is the voice of God for us? It's the word of God. If you know the word of God, when someone changes this, you'll know it's a counterfeit. Why? Because the scripture cannot be broken. My hope... My eternal security, the next passage, it goes right into eternal security. The sheep are in my hand, they're in my Father's hand, and they have eternal life. The only reason that I have eternal life is not because of my behavior. I didn't get saved by good works, and I'm not kept by good works. I'm kept by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. Are you 100% sure that heaven is your home? If you're basing that on your behavior, then you do not know Jesus. Because his voice says, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. How do we hear his voice? Through the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's how we know. The good shepherd. The good shepherd. Not only that, look at what Jesus says in verse 18. Verse 17 Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. By the way, no one else can do that. You know, if I decided to kill myself today, I can't bring myself back to life. Jesus can. Verse 18, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You know, there are people that say that Jesus was just a wild insurrectionist. That the Roman government had every right to kill him because he was standing uh, as a rebel against the, the, the kingdom. You know, I've mentioned that song that I heard at Christmas time called The Rebel Jesus. The Rebel Jesus. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Jesus Christ is not a rebel. Jesus Christ is the Lord. Jesus was not a revolutionary. He was not some Marxist. God despises a false balance. Marxism is a false balance. Jesus is no Marxist. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Very God. That's who Jesus Christ is. And when he came, he came and set his flint, his eye as a flint to the cross. Because the scripture cannot be broken. Before he said, let there be light, he knew there would be a cross. He was not killed as an insurrectionist. He was not killed as a revolutionary. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. He's coming back and he will fight then. But now it is a spiritual kingdom that he has established. And when we enter into that spiritual kingdom, it changes everything. When he is our Lord, we understand that we don't kill, we lay our lives down. That's who Christians are supposed to be. We are to be good because he is good. And the servant is like his master, the Bible says. 
The scripture cannot be broken. This is who we are. This is what we are to do. Jesus, no man took his life. Now, did they kill him? Yes. Are they responsible? Yes. But they did it by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. He knew exactly what they were going to do. But here's what happens. When Jesus comes along, and when Jesus starts talking, it is not, I'd like to teach the world to sing. That is not what happens when Jesus comes. Look at what happens. Verse 19. There was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus said, look, I'm going to divide father and mother. I'm going to divide. And many of you, your family has been divided because you chose to follow Jesus. That's what happens. Again, you've heard this before. I was at the funeral home. I'd done a funeral. The head of the ministerial association came up and said, we've been missing you at the meetings. And I said, well, I've never been to one. And he said, why not? And so I said, because you have people who don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have people who don't believe in the deity of Christ. You have people who don't believe in the virgin birth. And the Bible says that I am to mark them and avoid them, Romans 16, 17. The Bible says, if anyone comes bringing another gospel, which is not another, let him be accursed. I said, how can I curse them and hold their hands and pray at the same time? I can't do it. Listen to what he said. He said, well, I know those verses, but I also know that Jesus prayed that we would be one. And I said, well, that's a great verse, but finish it. He said, I would that they be one as I and my father are one, John chapter 17. I said, did you know that God the Father and God the Son don't disagree about the virgin birth, the deity of Christ? They don't believe about eternal, they don't disagree on eternal security. They don't disagree on what a church is. They don't disagree on those things. No, I didn't say it with quite that vehemence. He got mad, started yelling at me right in the funeral home. I said, brother, where's the love? You see, here's the deal. We can have oneness. We have tremendous oneness in this room, right? The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 1.10, the theme verse for our discipler training. I would that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. There be no divisions. Well, there was a division here. There was a division here. What was the division over? Look at what it says. Verse 19. There was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was it that caused the divisions? His behavior? No, what he said. God's words will always cause division. If you want people to think you're crazy, believe the Bible. If you want fundamentalists to think you're crazy, believe the words of the Bible. We're going to see that here in a minute. It's in the text. I'm not making it up. I make up some stuff, but not this. Look what it says. Verse 20, and many of them said, he hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Remember, even his, even his own family thought he was crazy. He was speaking and he was in this, this, there were so many people that his family couldn't get to him. And what it said was they wanted to lay hold on him. Listen to what they said. For he is beside himself. His own family thought he was crazy. How many of you, your family thinks you're crazy because you love the Lord? Praise God, they thought it about Jesus first. 
They thought it about Jesus first. Yeah, we're fanatics. Hallelujah. We're fans of Jesus. And here's what happens. They say he's a devil. And you know that the world right now thinks that Bible-believing Christians are the most evil, satanic thing in the world. If you say a man's a man and a woman's a woman, if you say that out loud, you can't be on Twitter. You are an evil, hateful person. I like women. Who are women? You see what happens? Male and female created he them. That's what the Bible says. Not male and female and oops. Amen? Do we hate people that are messed up on that? No, they need Jesus. They need help. Listen, a dude that thinks he's a woman needs help. There's lots of stuff I want to be. A woman's never been one of them. Listen. If you say the words of the Bible to people, they will think you are crazy. Listen, even Christians. We're going to see that here. So look at what it says. Others said, verse 21... These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? What was it? That's the works he did that proved that he's God. His sayings. See, healing the sick, raising the dead, that didn't offend him. What he said offended him. What he said offended him. Because that's what the Bible does. It's interesting. You know, there are people who believe that Jesus was a good moral teacher, but that he wasn't God. How many of you ever heard somebody say that? Right? He was a good man. He was a a loving teacher. He had beautiful words, but he wasn't God. Listen to what Edward F. Hills said. He's talking about the messianic consciousness of Jesus. And he's quoting G. Gresham Gresham Machen, the the famous Princeton uh, theologian. Quote, The Jesus of the Gospels is represented as advancing some lofty claims. He regarded himself as being destined to come with the clouds of heaven and be the instrument in judging the world. What shall be done with this element of his consciousness? How does it agree with the indelible impression of calmness and sanity which has always been made by his character? So Hill says, for Dr. Machen himself, as a true believer, this was no problem. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah and the Son of God, and this claim is true. But for unbelievers who regard Jesus as a mere man, this claim does present a grave historical problem. How, Dr. Machen asked them, could a pure and holy prophet of righteousness, one whose humility and sanity have made an indelible impression upon all subsequent generations, how could such a one lapse so far from the sobriety and sanity of his teaching as to regard himself as the heavenly son of man who was to be the instrument in judging the world? So now, let's say that I were nice and, you know, people just couldn't wait to be around me because they felt so good when I spoke. (laughs) It's a stretch, but try to imagine that. And then I said, 
well, you all are awesome. And I'm here to help you. And I have helped you, haven't I? Do this. Just just play along. Do that. Usually when Sam's doing this, he's asleep. <laughs> so, and then I say, but, but remember, I'm the son of God. I'm going to ascend to the right hand of God. And I'm going to come back and judge the world. Seriously. What would you think? This guy's a fruit loop. <laughs> or what if I had been teaching miraculous things backed up by miraculous deeds? And not only did I teach miraculous things that were backed up by miraculous deeds, but everything that I did was prophesied in the book that I believe is God's word. Now we have a horse of a different color. Now we have something different. That's who Jesus Christ was. And the problem is the Bible believers didn't believe Jesus. That's, the, that's what we are running into. But do you know what they had to find out? The scripture cannot be broken. What the scripture had said about Jesus, it was going to be true. And I can promise you this, what the scripture says about you and me, it is true. When you place your faith and trust in him, you become a son of God. You're adopted into the family of God. You become a joint and heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are his. That's what the Bible says. You're not alone. The scripture cannot be broken. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The world's crazy. Who knows what's going to happen with the economy? We don't have any idea, but you know what I know? God is good. God is good. And if I die, I get to go to heaven. Amen. I can tell Vladimir Putin, you won't scare me with heaven. Then look at this. That was all the introduction. Here's my sermon. Look at verse 24. Then the Jews round about him. I'm sorry, then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us doubt? Look at what they say. If thou be Christ, tell us plainly. Tell us plainly. What's he been doing? He's been slow rolling it. Why? Because he knows they're going to kill him when he tells them. And they're trying to get the ammunition to do that. Jesus 25. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and ye believed not. The works I do in my, that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not my, of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, i got to tell you, if somebody believes they can lose their salvation, how can you read that passage and believe that you can lose your salvation? But drop down to verse 30. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Verse 34. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, Ye are God's. If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. So what does he do? 
What he's quoting here is Psalm 82. So put your ribbon here. Go to Psalm 82. Man, I read eight, ten commentaries on these passages. And it's amazing how faithless so many commentators are. They believe in the resurrection of Jesus. They believe that he healed the sick and, and, and raised the dead. They'll teach that because of those declarative statements. But these other supernatural things, they try to make it into something else. So, Psalm 82. This is what Jesus is quoting. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. I'm going to preach this text tonight. God standeth in congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. The congregation of the mighty. Who are the congregation of the mighty? Hold your place here. Go to Genesis chapter 6. Verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they chose. Now, again, there are fundamentalists who don't believe the Bible. And they'll say that these sons of God are the godly line of of Seth. They're the godly line of Seth. Where does the Bible ever mention the godly line of Seth? This term, sons of God, is used all through the Bible. And it always means, if you don't know this, write it down. A son of God is a direct creation of God. Luke 2.38 or 3.38, given the lineage of Jesus Christ going back to Adam, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. A son of God is a direct creation of God. And he hath quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. New creature. He came at his own, his own received him not, John 1, but as many as received him to them gave you power to be called the sons of God. A son of God is a direct creation of God. Let's look at what happens. Verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. They only got 120 years more. That's why Noah's Noah's building the ark. That's all you got. got 120 years left. There were giants in the earth in those days. Now, so here's what you have. Sons of God enter into the daughters of men. They have kids. Those kids are giants. I was with some preachers in Cleveland, some guys that don't believe the, this, what the Bible says. And I said, have you ever, you know, so the godly line of Seth, that, that is that the godly people married the ungodly people, the ungodly line of Cain. That's what this is talking about. Of course, it doesn't say anything like that. You've got to make it up, okay? But I said, have you ever known someone, maybe someone that came to your church, a saved person that married an unsaved person? And they said, yeah. And I said, and their children were giants and God destroyed the world because of it, right? Maybe their story doesn't fit with the text. Okay? And look at what happens. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became, oh, mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And those men, what did they do? During these 120 years, these mighty men, they were judges. They judged the earth. They brought immorality and wickedness into the earth. That's described in Psalm 82. Look at what it says. 
God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. These were mighty men, men of valor, mighty men. He judgeth among the gods. Well, wait a minute. How do you know that that's the same thing as the sons of God? Verse 6, I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. Sons of God. Verse 2, how long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Uh-oh, what's that next word? Uh, now we know what's, what's happening here. Because remember what it says, there were giants in the land in those days and also after that. Daniel chapter 2 says this is all going to happen again. The Bible tells us it's coming again. When this happens, these people are going to be so mighty, they're going to judge the world. But they're not going to judge the world righteously. So God is going to come and judge them. That's what's being taught here. As a matter of fact, does the Bible say that we're going to judge angels? Does the Bible say that? What angels? These angels. The Bible just says it very clear if you just put it together. So look at what it says. God standeth in congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Do you remember Matthew chapter 24? In as much as you, Matthew 25, in as much as you've done it unto one of the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. What's he doing? Judgment of the nations. People who listen to these judges, they don't treat Israel right. They go into outer darkness. The, the, the sheep nations go into the rest of the Lord in the kingdom. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Look at verse 5. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. When were all the foundations of the earth out of course? There's three times. The deluge after Genesis 1-1. The deluge of Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 8, with the flood of the world. And when's that going to happen again? In the tribulation. All the mountains are out of place. All the islands are out of place. The foundations of the earth are being destroyed, and then there has to be the restitution of all things. How many of you believe the words of the Bible? Do you understand there are people who don't believe what I just said when all I'm doing is quoting Scripture? Verse 6, I have said, ye are gods. And that's what Jesus is quoting in John chapter 10. Verse 7, but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And powers. You have the prince of Egypt. You have the, the, the prince of Tyre. These, these are positions. These are, these are demonic positions. Verse 8, arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. We're going to talk about that tonight. So we'll look at, let's go back to John 10, and let's see what Jesus Christ is telling these guys. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are God's? If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest because I said I am the Son of God. This is such a fun thing. Go to Psalm 86. I should have had you do that while you were back there. Psalms 86 and verse 8. Now, here's what people think. People think that when you see these things, gods, like this, that it's, that it's an idol. Well, someone said idols are mementos that men have used since the flood to commemorate their presence. These demons, these, these hybrid man-devil things. 
That's what idols represent. But look at verse 8. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord. Neither are there any works like unto thy works. What did Jesus do? He pointed them to, to people that God called, or these beings God called gods. And then he talked about his works compared to their works. What is he dealing with in John chapter 10? How many of you think Jesus knew the Bible? Let's, let's really tie this together. Look at Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 11. You know, verse 10 is so good. Let's read that too. Jeremiah 10, 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. Thus shall ye say unto them, the gods, look at, that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. What is he talking about here? He's not talking about, you know, there's another place in Isaiah where he talks about these idols that you've made with your hands. They can't walk. They can't talk. That's not what he's talking about here. Those aren't alive. These are alive. They're going to perish. And how are they going to die? They're going to die like men. How do they die like men? Because they became men. And they're going to die like men. That's what God is saying to them. What is Jesus saying to them in John chapter 10? Look at what he says. Verse 33, the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being man, maketh thyself God. You understand what this is? That's the spirit of Antichrist. Remember we looked at that a couple of weeks ago? Feminine says that God has not come in the flesh. That is the spirit of Antichrist. That's what this is right here. That's exactly what this is. And that's why Jesus starts talking to them as devils. How, do you, how can someone miss that? It's exactly what God is doing here. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works. Why? Because the works of God are different than the works of devils. You say I'm a devil, look at my works. The devil can't do the works that God can do. That's exactly what he's saying. And don't miss this. Go to John chapter 3. How many of you know that we are all called to do God's work? Amen? I better get a better amen than that. I'll start over. Are we called to do God's work? <laughs> you guys are so worldly. All right. Look at verse 34. John 3 and verse 34. For whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. So if we have been sent by God to do something, how are we to do it? By speaking the words of God. When we speak the words of God, the people will think we're devilish. The people will think that we are crazy. And it may get to the place where they want to kill us. Do you know what we have to remember? The scripture cannot be broken. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Thomas asked, Whither's the way? How do we know where you're going? What? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Folks, the Scripture cannot be broken. The longer we live, the more people, Christians, will try and change the Bible to align it with the world. You know, there are Christians who don't like to believe that these are actually gods, they're demonic beings, because that's too crazy. That's weird. There's no way Jonah was swallowed by a whale. That's crazy. Yes, God created the world. Yes, he rose from the dead. A whale? No way. That's too far. No. Folks, just believe the Bible. And as you believe it, here's what's going to happen. God starts opening it up to you. And then you really sound crazy to people. Who cares? Look, we're not hirelings. We're, We're not here to please men. We are to please God. We're not to serve God with eye service. We're we're to do all things heartily as to the Lord. Why? Because the scripture cannot be broken. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Amen? Man, I love God's word. And whenever you believe God's word, trust it. When you start speaking it, yes, people will think you're crazy, but you know what will happen? Some people will believe. Remember that in Acts chapter 17? Some believed. Some were grieved, some deceived, but that's okay. That is always the result. Let's just believe it. Let's preach it. Let's teach it. Let's live it. Amen? Man, if you're not born again, you are in big trouble. There is a hell, and God doesn't want you to go there. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Please come to repentance. Please come to repentance. And experience that joy of the Lord, the peace that comes from knowing he really is the good shepherd. You know how you know the good shepherd when you come through the door? That's it. That's it. And you remember, the scripture can't be broken. What he says about your eternal damnation, it won't be broken. But what he says about your eternal life, that won't be broken either. Let's choose the eternal life. Trust him as your savior. Let's all stand together. Isn't God good to us? Do you love God's word today? And I'll start over. Do you love God's word today? Amen. 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 I love studying it. I love preaching it. But man, and the best thing is when you see somebody come to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's rejoicing in heaven when one sinner turns to Jesus. It'd be great if that was you today. The rest of us, remember, he's good. He's good. And remember, when you speak his words, when you believe his words, people will think you're crazy. A lot of people don't believe we have them. We do. Believe them. Believe them.